Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Last night, that last week with Priscilla Reed, who took us through a prophetic with a table laid out here, and I know that was very impactful for many of you. Well, over the last weekend and this weekend, we're having a bit of a, a read feast. We've got Paul with us all day today. Katie just mentioned tonight the interview. We've talked a little bit, Paul and I, and we're going to talk a little bit tonight about how Paul was involved historically with some of the interviews, some of the bringing together of different factions in Northern Ireland there in what was and is still called the Troubles. And he was instrumental in that over the season. We're going to talk a little bit about that. In the moment, he's involved as well with elite athletes. As, as you'll see himself, he is an elite athlete. And he's doing an alpha course with some elite athletes in uh, Ireland. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and just find out what's going on. But Paul was the founding pastor of CFC, Christian Fellowship Church there in Belfast. He's been a long way. We're trying to work out how long we've known each other and been coming into the church. It's about 20 years now since Paul's been coming into the church here. He's a good friend. He's on our international advisory board that comes into the church once a year with Kemi uh, Kelioso and with uh, Jeff Lucas. And they kind of look over things and support us and help us. And we appreciate them. Most of all, though, and this is, I, I mean this sincerely, one of our best friends in the world. We just love having Paul Reed. Everyone needs a Paul Reed in their life. So would you please welcome Paul Reed? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for that welcome and good morning, C3 in Cambridge and Bury St. Edmunds and Colchester and anywhere else that you're watching from. A big hello from Ulster. I saw a thing recently, actually, that, that um, men and women from Ulster are the only people group in the world that um, you can tell where they're from before they speak. You can tell them by their sneeze. So if someone from Northern Ireland sneezes, it goes like this. A chew. You have to, no. Normally English people go, a chew. But people from Northern Ireland go, achieve. <laughs> anyway, it's fantastic to be here. Priscilla loved being with you last week. And uh, she, she sends her greetings. She's in Paris with her four daughters. Well, our, our four daughters, actually. They, they, they are I'm part of that as well. <laughs> it's her birthday. And uh, they're doing a, a wonderful celebration. So um, if you're watching online, there is no chance of that happening, Priscilla. But... Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, she says hi. Uh, we've been doing a series on the miracles in our own church in Belfast, and, and I've been taking part in that. And I, uh, I got one, uh, the one where Peter walks on the water, and so I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that today. Uh, and a, a book I read 20 years ago had a title, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. Some of you will remember that. And it's absolutely, it's a brilliant book. I recommend it to you. John Ortberg, one of my favorite uh, uh, preachers and writers. Uh, so I'm going to, that, that's kind of going to be my framework today. I'll, I'll say something about miracles in a moment. Let's read from Matthew chapter 14, uh, reading from verse 22. It says this, immediately Jesus got into the boat 
and went on ahead of him. Sorry, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And then at the end of uh, John's gospel, it's a couple of verses, in verse 20, uh, John says this, 20, 20 uh, 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And at the end of the next chapter, John 21, John writes this, this is the disciple he says, who testifies to these things and who wrote them down, we know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that could be written. So keep that in your mind. <clears throat> Just a minute and a half on miracles. Uh, when, you're, when you're thinking about miracles in Scripture, you generally have to consider a couple of things. First of all, uh, the trajectory of it, where's the miracle going? John says in his book that if all the things that Jesus did were written down, the books in the world couldn't contain them. Now, I suspect he's engaging in what we call hyperbole. What he's trying to say is this, that there's much more that Jesus did than is written down in the Gospels. So the question is, why is this miracle included in this gospel? And why is it here? So the trajectory is, what's, what's the context? Where's it going? And why did the writer put it in? In fact, when you read the equivalent account in Mark's gospel, you see that, that while it's obviously the same account, uh, John, Matthew puts something in but that Mark leaves out and vice versa. So we're gonna have a, just a little brief look at that. The other thing is, when you're thinking about miracles, it always says something about the identity of Jesus. And John says that, of course, that you might believe that he is the Son of God. So it always says something about who Jesus is, and we get that in this passage as well. And the third thing is, it's about ideology. What's the message? What's the truth that the Lord is trying to communicate through the miracles? So that's a little framework of the whole thing about miracles. I love the Bible because it is, uh, it is a story of, among other things, a list of people who walked with God. You've got the, the walk of Abraham and Isaac up Mount Mar Moriah. You've got the walk of Moses along the Red Sea. You've got the walk walk of Joshua around uh, the walls of Jericho. You've got Paul's walk to Damascus. But perhaps the most unforgettable walk of all was taken by Peter when he got out of the boat 
and he walked on the water. And I suppose what I want to do today is this. In the same way, let Peter's walk be an invitation to everyone who, like Peter, want to step out in faith and do something and experience something of the presence and power of God. So it's a picture of doing with God's help what you could never do on your own. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. There's a pattern in Scripture when God calls you to get out of the boat, when God wants to use you and, uh, and improve you in life. First of all, there's always a call. God takes ordinary people and asks them to engage in acts of extraordinary trust, in this case, getting out of the boat. Uh, in 1973, just referring back to my troubles one, um, I was posting a letter in Royal Avenue once and I felt a, a poke in my back. Royal Avenue is the main thoroughfare in Belfast. And I felt a poke in my back and I turned around and there was a, a, a six, six soldiers uh, pointing sterling submachine guns at me. And the, the one said to me, uh, you're under arrest. And I went, <laughs> and I, I said, what for? He said, for murder and attempted murder. And, uh, and he said, I want you to accompany me. You're arrested under a Special Powers Act of, of 1969. And, and he, he reamed it off. And, and it was, I was completely, you know, I would, you, know you, you just, you know, how many people have been arrested for murder and attempted murder here? Could I just state quite categorically, I didn't do it. Okay, <laughs> not guilty. But he did a, the soldier did a very English thing, you know, which, which I, I still to this day, I think it's funny. He's got, remember, the six sterlings pointed to me, and he says, would you mind coming with me? <laughs> now, it sounded very much like an invitation, but it wasn't an invitation. It was a command. And actually, you know what I found in my life? Some, because God's nice, and he speaks nice to us, we think it's an invitation. I find most of the big moments in my life, God spoke to me. It was actually a command. It wasn't any alternative. I mean, I, I heard you could hear it like an alternative, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a command. And there's always fear when God has this uh, habit of, you know, I love it. It's, Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. It's me. When, when God says, don't be afraid, that's the time to be really afraid because he's going to ask you to do something which might make you afraid. That's the issue. But the reality is there's always reassurance. God promises you his presence. He says to you, as he did to Gideon, O Lord, the Lord is with you, O mighty warrior. And I find that when God issues those commands to me, there's also a a decision to be made, a yes or a no. People always get to make the choice. You don't get pushed out of the boat. You get the choice to take a step to obey God's word in your life. And there's always a changed life. There's always a changed life. I, I found that every time I make a decision to either accept the uh, command of God and say yes to it or say no to it, I change. Every time I say yes, you learn and you grow and you're never the same again. But the reality is that when you say no, you change as well. You become a little harder, a little bit more cynical, and a little bit more resistant to the call of God in your life. God calls each of us to walk with him and get out of the boat and walk on the water. Well, what makes a water walker? And I think this gets to the nub of what this is about. Water walkers recognize God's presence. Remember, the disciples have gone 
out ahead of him. Jesus is praying on a mountain. When they get onto the lake, the wind is against them. Mark says they're straining. They're, they're, they're trying to row the thing because it's a real, it's difficult. And it's the middle of the night. It's about three o'clock. It's, the, it's the, uh, the middle watch. And the very person who could help them wasn't in the boat. And when they saw him, they didn't recognize him. And you, you kind of think, well, how could they not recognize Jesus? Because, of course, it wasn't who they were expecting. You know, and, and who expects somebody to walk on water in the middle of the night? But what's Jesus up to here? And this is where we've we got to get our heads around this. It's not a trick. You know, Jesus didn't go, I think I'll scare the lads. I think I'll go out there and play a trick on them. And he walks out there and goes, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it's not what this is about. It's interesting, in Mark's version, Mark uses a particular phrase that, that says this here, Jesus intended to pass by them. Now, almost every time you read that phrase in Scripture, it speaks of a theophany or a Christophany, the appearance of God. For instance, when Moses was up in the mountain waiting on God, it says he hid himself in the cleft of the rock. And what happened? Same Greek word. It says, and the Lord passed by. Elijah, when he stood on the mountain, and God wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the hurricane and the storm, he was in the still small voice. What happened? God passed by. And every time you read of that, remember, whenever you see God appearing in the Old Testament, that is Jesus. That is a, a pre-incarnation appearing of Christ. And every time it happens, every time God passes by, what happens is this. It's, it's called, I'll read it out to you because it's actually just the, the actual definition. They were defining moments when God made striking and temporary appearances in the earthly realm to select an individual or a group for the purpose of communicating a message. So the purpose is not just to scare them. In fact, it's not to scare them, but it's actually Jesus is passing by because he wants to tell them something about his identity and he wants to tell them something that will inspire them to push on in their faith in him. I don't know about you, but I, I found uh, <clears throat> Jesus passes by in the most unusual places. When you're worshiping, of course, you expect God to be in a place like this where we're worshiping and you catch a sense of the presence and power of God. But there are many occasions in my life when, when, I've, when Jesus passed by, could I be bold enough to say that? There were moments in my life when God broke in. The moment whenever I trusted Christ, that was a moment when Jesus passed by. I had an opportunity and I grasped it with both hands. I was 16. I was in a little hall out in the country and I heard the message that Jesus loved me and died to save me. A moment happened, he passed by. Other moments have happened, like the moment when the Lord spoke to Priscilla and I in Spring Harvest about starting our church in Belfast over 40 years ago. I will never forget it. David Poston was speaking, and he just simply stood up. He read from Deuteronomy chapter 1, and he said this, it's time to move from this mountain. And I was like, you, know, you might say, well, what mountain is that? I, I don't know, but, but God passed by, and something happened. Moments are important in our life. Because when Jesus passes by, remember, he's communicating something of who he is. 
He wants you to have a revelation of the fact that he is the awesome son of God and that he's calling you to higher purpose. And that's what happens in this particular passage. What is he trying to do? He wants to ask them to do something extraordinary. He's, now, he's getting their attention. He wants to know that you can trust him and you can safely place your destiny in his hands. Jesus often comes when we least expect him, doesn't he? Something happens and you go, I think that was the Lord actually. Remember, often it's not an invitation, although that can happen. It's a command. And how you respond to it is really, really important. But if you're not looking for him, you might miss him. Are you looking for God to pass by today? What an opportunity we have to say yes to Christ. After all, he passed by. There were 11 others in the boat who didn't get out of the boat. Only Peter walked on the water. I love it because, number two, water walkers discern between faith and foolishness. I, I like that. I just put this in. It's a, it's a bit of a short one, but Peter said, if it's you, Lord, command me to come. Now, remember, this is not about risk. This is about obedience. There are people who are adrenaline junkies, and they will do anything because they want to experience a rush, an adrenaline rush, and it's about risk. They risk, they risk. There are people who go on parachute jump. Who goes on a parachute jump? You know, but it's, there's something in them that wants to do that. There's a, there's a what do you call the one where you, you dive off a, a bridge with rope tied to your bungee jump? Like, are you out of your mind? There are people who do stuff like that. But that's not what this is about. It's primarily about obedience. And it means this, that you have to distinguish between an authentic call of God and what might be a foolish impulse on your part. Courage alone is not enough. It has to be accompanied by wisdom and discernment. It's not an extreme sport, but it is extreme discipleship. So when Peter gets out of the boat, but not until he makes sure that Jesus thinks it's a good idea, And so key to this invitation forward slash command is actually about obedience and God trying to grasp us. What, what is happening here? He gives them a revelation. Remember, when he gets into the boat, we see something of his identity. What did they say? You're the son of God, and they worshiped him. Tells us something about the, the identity of Christ. And actually, when Jesus passes by, it's always about that, that we catch a fresh glimpse of who this wonderful Savior is that we've been singing about. He is the word of God excuse me, the word of God to us. He is the awesome God of all eternity. And when he gives you a revelation of who he is, who wouldn't want to say, whatever you say, Lord, I'm gonna do it. Who, who wouldn't want to get, open up their lives and say, Lord, if you tell me to come, I'm gonna get out of this boat and walk upon the water. So Peter asked for clarity. Peter asked for clarity. Water walkers expect Problems interesting one. I, it, it's funny. I love it. You know, it says, <clears throat> Peter does it. You know, they, they would have had a little rail on the boat. If you've been, ever been to Galilee, you see little fishing boats on it. They're not that big. Lake of Gal the Sea of Galilee isn't that big. And they, and you, and they, but, but the storms can, apparently they can go up pretty quickly. But Peter gets out, puts his leg over and begins to walk on the water. And then it says, and he saw the wind. And you kind of go, did he not see the wind before he got out of the boat? 
You would, would have kind of thought that he, he, he would have seen it, but, but, it, but it, of course he doesn't. But the wind had been there all along. And m- many of us, you take a step of faith, you, you decide to declare, Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. You decide to take a bold step because God has spoken to you and given you that command. And, and we've all been there. But you know, you take a step of faith and then you see the wind. You go, this is more difficult than I thought it was going to be. I thought when God told you to do something, he paved the way and made it easy for you. Well, it doesn't work like that, actually. Here's what happened. This is what happened to Peter. Peter, You know, you try something new, you're full of vigor, full of faith, and then all hell breaks loose, setbacks, opposition. But of course, the wind is always there. Problem is, sometimes because of the wind, some people never get out of the boat. And when you get out of the boat and you face the wind, life is never the same again. The ironic thing is this, that if you stay in the boat, there's no guarantee of safety. Life is never the same again. I found this bit of prose recently, a bit dopey, but you can live on bland food so as to avoid an ulcer. You can avoid drinking tea or coffee or other stimulants in the name of health. You go to bed early, stay away from nightlife, avoid all controversial subjects so so as to never give offense. You can mind your own business, avoid involvement in other people's problems, spend money only in necessities, and save all you can, and you can still break your neck in the bath, and it'll serve you right. (laughs) You see, everything's risky. Everything's risky. There's risk in getting out of the boat, but there's danger in staying in the boat. And if you live in the boat, whatever your boat happens to be, whatever boat, whatever your boat, whatever the boat is in your life that prevents you from getting out of it, whatever the wind in, in, in front of you um, prevents you from getting out of the boat, it, it doesn't matter actually. Whatever it happens to be, eventually you, you, you change. You'll die of boredom and stagnation. Everything is risky. And when God puts a call in your life, something happens. I remember whenever going back to my conversion, um, the verse, in those days, the preacher preached him a verse and that was your verse that you got converted on. It was Romans 10 and 9. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, confess, in your, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and he's raised from the dead, you shall be saved. And so uh, I, I, I took that really literally and I went into school the next day. I went to the Methodist College in Belfast and we always went for a smoke before we uh, assembly. Uh, a group of us, we went down to the, the cloakroom beneath the sanatorium. And I, uh, instead of smoking that day, I got up on the, the, the little bench and I said, I've got something to say to you all. Because I thought, I said, well, it says it in the Bible, it must be true. I'm going to have to confess it. And, I, and I, I, said to my, I just said, I just want to know that I became a Christian last night. And honestly, talk about silence. You know when things are quiet, but they get quieter? It was a bit like that. I was known as Billy Graham after that for the rest of my school days. <laughs> but something, something happened. I got out of the boat. And I never regretted it. Whatever is holding you back, maybe today Jesus is passing by and giving you the chance to go, I want to get out of my boat and walk on the water. Water walkers accept fear as the price of growth. 
Now, the Bible does say that God hasn't given us a, a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. But what I mean is that every time you try something new or you step out of the boat, there's a knot in your stomach, isn't there? It's, you're, it's apprehension. Let's put it like that. And, and the choice to follow Jesus is the choice to grow. And, and it's, I don't think it's without, um, it's without uh, remark that the, the best-selling chair in the UK, do you know what it is? Lazy boy. It's not worker boy. You know, it's lazy boy. And, and, and the reality is, uh, you know, the 11 disciples could be called boat potatoes. Because they didn't, they, Jesus, only Peter said, Lord, but you bid me come. The reality is that even Peter got afraid. I find it can grip you at any time. I, I, I told this years ago, but the Queen's Golden Jubilee shows you how long ago it was, and it was uh, 20 years ago. Uh, and uh, I was invited as part of the Irish Council of Churches to go to Buckingham Palace. And uh, we were, there was 300 there. It was to celebrate religious freedom in the UK during Queen Elizabeth's reign. And, uh, and I, I was part of the exec of the Irish Council of Churches. And I went along and, and everybody had a little badge in telling them who they were. So mine said Pastor Paul. And the royal fa- all of the royal family were, were there. It was, in the, it was in the picture gallery. And uh, it was the most amazing experience because, you know, you saw photographs that you only ever saw in history books, you know, King Charles and Queen Henrietta, the size of that screen. You think they're little tiny pictures, but they're massive. And, and all these people are from all over the UK there, just 300, it wasn't like a garden party where there's 3,000. And a lady came up to me and her, her, her name was Lady Farnham. And, uh, and she said to me, uh, and she, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's disconcerting when people from the aristocracy talk to you because their top lip never moves. <laughs> Do you remember that? She said, hello, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. She said, she said, oh, you're a pastor. What sort of a pastor are you? And I said, a very good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sort of broke the ice. She had a bit of a laugh and I told her, and I said, I'm, I'm charis- you know, Pentecost charismatic, trying to put a framework on. I don't like labels, but that's life. And she said to me, so we talked to her and she said, tell me about the Holy Spirit. And I, I remember, I just froze. I mean, I'm not intimidated, but I just, something just, I said, Lord, I can't, don't make me do this here. Oh, no. And then, and I was going to say, I've never heard of him. I don't know what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> and then I just felt the Lord, the Spirit prompt me and say, just tell her your story. And I told her how I came to know Christ and how I got baptized in the Spirit. And, and she started to cry. And she took me by the hand, she said, you must meet the Archbishop. She took me over to David Rhodes, Archbishop of York, introduced me to David. David said, he said, I was a curate in Belfast for two years. Fantastic. I said, where were you? Shankill Road. Oh my goodness, the heart of Ulster Protestantism. And, uh, and then he, and he said, so you're charismatic? I said, yeah. He said, tell us about, t- talk to me about the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm on a roll by this stage, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I was going to go, is there anybody here whose surname is Windsor? Would they come up to the front? <laughs> You know, and the queen, and they're all there. <laughs> no, no that, that, I made that better, but I didn't do that, actually. Felt like it, but I didn't do it. But it was one of those, one of those moments of, honestly, it was, a, it, was, it was like a Jesus passing by moment. And I got a little moment, and I told the lady, I told Lady Farnham what had happened to me. The reality is, of course, choices become habits. And the more you get out of the boat, the more likely you are to do it the next time.
Not that fear goes away, but you just realize it doesn't have the power to destroy you or intimidate you. The opposite is true. In fact, the next time you get the call to leave the boat and you refuse, and the next time the voice gets quieter and quieter until you don't hear the call at all. And finally, as I finish now, um, time is up. Water walkers discover how to conquer fail. Here's the thing. Did Peter, Peter begins to walk on the water takes his eyes off Jesus, looks at the wind and sinks. Here's my big question to you. Did Peter fail? Now, before you answer that one, failure, I think, is not an event, but a judgment we make about an event. Do you understand? Something happens and some people go, that was a big success. Somebody else goes, that was a total failure. It's a judgment you make about an event because what happens is, is that it's about outcomes. Uh, Joseph Salk, made, they say, he said that he made 200 attempts to find a polio vaccine. Thank goodness he didn't give up. Was he a failure? No, he was because he didn't do it for the first time. Absolutely not. My team, Linfield, have never won the Champions League. Are they failures? Be careful now what you say. Okay. <laughs> Now, in a way of thinking, there were 11 bigger failures in the boat. They they failed quietly, but Peter failed publicly. But only Peter knew what it was to get out of the boat and walk upon the water. Only Peter knew something. He caught a glimpse of who Jesus was and saw something of the power of God that enabled him to do what he couldn't do for himself. Only he knew the glory of being lifted by Jesus when he failed. The worst failure actually is not to sink in the waves. The worst failure is never to get out of the boat that God has called you out of. And so if the band would like to come now, I'm gonna, what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity just to respond. I I think that some of you are are facing a, I I suppose, a, a challenge, an invite, a command to get out of the boat. Won't be everybody. But for some people, there's a step that you need to take. There's a step of faith. And you know that God's been calling you and speaking to you about it. And and actually, I think that this is a moment when God's given you a moment. Why? What's happening? He's passing by. What's happening again? He wants to give you a revelation, remember, of the Son of God. The person who's calling you out of the boat is actually... Jesus, the Son of God, he wants to give you a fresh revelation of who he is. You can trust him. It might be that you're watching online, you're in this room, you're in Bury, you're in Colchester, and you've never actually got out of the boat of saying, saying, you know, Lord, for this moment, I'm gonna give my life to you. I, I can see the wind, but I know that you're passing by, and you today, you want to say yes to Jesus. For others, there'll be a moment in your life when something's happening. If that's you and you're in this room, would you stand up and let me pray for you? If, you've, if there's something you're going through and you know that God's calling you to get out of your boat and, and walk on the water, would you stand where you are and give me an opportunity to pray? I won't say it any, any more, okay. Come on, a few others. Yeah, thank you for doing that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the people today who've heard the command because you're passing by. You want to give them a revelation of who you really are, that you can be trusted. May they discern between faith and foolishness. But on hearing you, Father, as they commit themselves on what they have to do to get out of their boat, I don't know what 
your boat is of safety. But today you are saying publicly, I'm getting out of my boat and walking in the water. Lord, would you give them courage? But above that, would you give them a revelation of who you are? Because you're passing by. You're passing by. And as they take that step, Lord, as they begin to experience the wind and the rain and the fear, may they catch another glimpse of you and keep their eyes fixed upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do we all stand together? Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.